Yep, here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. It is so good to be back. I am Deb Creer, the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. First off, like I said, it is great to be back. I took a bit of a vacation and went on be jealous now, a cruise to Alaska. It was so much fun, and we saw so many very, very cool things. I would like to thank Hugh Briss and Patrick Almond for taking the big chair and filling in for me as guest hosts. If you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to listen to their programs, because Hugh interviewed Scott Monty, who is the head of social media for Ford Motor Company, and Patrick interviewed Corey Perlman, and they both both had absolutely fabulous tips and great shows about social media. So with that said, we are going to do things a little bit differently here today. See, I go on vacation, I come back, I switch things all up, you know, in this fun. I'm going to be on the hot seat today, and I am going to be interviewed by the absolutely fabulous Sandy weaver Carmen. Sandy, welcome. Good morning, Deb. How are you? Oh, not bad, not bad. Before we start, let me tell folks a little bit about you. Sandy is the driving force behind VoiceWork On Demand, an audio production company specializing in audiobook and audio learning production. As a voice talent and audio editor, Sandy works with writers, coaches, trainers, and speakers, helping them to create audio programs from their books, webinars, and keynotes. Sandy has also an author. She has written down, or she has written down, she has written the book, The Original MBA, Success in Business Using Mom's Best Advice. It is a great book. She has tons of fabulous posts from it on Facebook, so make sure that you follow her, and we'll give her plenty of time to, to tell us how to do that. Um, she is also a radio host. That's why I feel comfortable being grilled by Sandy, because she has been in radio since she was just a toddler. Not that that was that long ago, mind you. So with that, Sandy and I are going to be talking all about LinkedIn, and I'm turning over the big mic to Sandy, and I'm now in the hot seat. Okay, but before we get to LinkedIn, tell me about Alaska. I'm sure everybody wants to know, because you and I were in Alaska at the same time. Did you have the we same were. work I did? We did. It was so funny. Sandy and I really were in Alaska at the same time. We both live in Atlanta, and we were both in Alaska at the same time, along with several other Atlanta folks. It was just like old home week up there. We had fabulous weather. The funny thing, though, was so we were up there for 17 days altogether. I had virtually no Internet connection, and my cell phone... Uh, my smartphone really didn't even want to work. And to be honest, I went through Facebook withdrawal. You know, I couldn't really post the pictures of my vacation, and I still need to go back through and do that. But it was funny. It really was strange for me, who is you know so much on social media, to not be on social media. I felt like I missed out a lot on people. I had to go back and you know spend a day rereading people's posts and things. But it was very cool. Um, you know, it, it really was a fabulous once in a life lifetime vacation, and we were just so glad that we went. How long did it take you to get over your social media withdrawal? I cannot even imagine Deb Creer, the socialite, being totally without social media. I know. You know, part of the problem was we were on a cruise for about half that time, and we could pay <clears throat> pay <laughs> yeah. to have Internet access on the ship, and it was 79 cents a minute. And <gasps> I... I know. Holy, holy cow. Um, yeah. and I, I weighed my social media withdrawal against my checkbook and my checkbook won out. <laughs> you know? Smart um, woman. Yeah. It, you know, one of the things that I do have though on Facebook is I have lists that I have created of people that I really want to make sure I can, I read their posts. One is my family and another one is, uh, just my, my special business friends and associates that I always want to make sure that I, I read their posts. So it was just, you know, it was fairly easy once I was back in contact to go back through and, and read their posts and, and be able to catch back up on those. 
that made it a little bit easier for you. See, that's one of those things that you can teach all of us because you know how to use all of the social media so much better than the rest of us do. Well, I try. I try. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, today we're going to focus on LinkedIn. And I think a really good place to start, Deb, is where a lot of people are. Why do I need LinkedIn? Why should I care? Why should I put all the work into making a complete profile? What's in it for me? Well, of course, when LinkedIn first launched, which was, it's been 10 years ago now, kind of hard to believe on that. In some ways, it seems like we've been on LinkedIn forever. And in other ways, it seems like it still really is one of the, the newer types of social media sites. But when it first launched, or when we first kind of became aware of LinkedIn, we all cut and pasted our resume there because that was what everybody else was doing. And then we ignored it. You know, you went in every once in a while. Maybe people would, you know, send an, you, you'd send an update. You, you might pay attention to who was wanting to connect with you, but it really wasn't something that we used very much. And that's tragic because LinkedIn is such a great tool for professionals. You know, it is the social media site for professionals. It's not like Facebook. You're really not going to see the posts there that are about your Alaska vacation or what you had for lunch or, you know, all of those various things. It's a great place to connect with other professionals, whether it's in your industry, potential clients, former clients, you know, great business associates, all of those things. That's why we really need to be on LinkedIn. Now, how many people are on LinkedIn? It's over 225 million members. Um, I actually really? haven't, I haven't checked the stat recently, but it's probably now over 250 million members. And the amazing thing on that is over half of those are not in the United States. So really? just think if you're trying to reach an audience that is not in the United States, you really absolutely must be on LinkedIn because uh, you know it's, it's something that, that you can use to, to reach people in other countries. Now tell me about tell me about the kind of person who uses LinkedIn. Is there uh, like a profile? How much money do they make? How many degrees do they have? That kind of a thing. Has sure. that kind of parsing been done? It has. Um, the the majority of LinkedIn users are still men but it's you know it's it's fairly close women and men but but more men than women and i think that is probably because it is more professional you know facebook tends to skew more with women but that's because women are more social and we tend to want to talk about what's going on in our lives a little bit more so we're we're on facebook so the the it's more men on linkedin um over half of linkedin users are between the ages of 35 and 64 the household income of over 30% of LinkedIn users is over $100,000. And almost half of LinkedIn users have attended college and 27% have attended graduate school. So you can see that that's really where professionals are. Um, it does tend to skew a little bit older than some of the other social media sites, which now here's a, a quick little tip for the youngsters, <clears throat> you know, anybody that's under 30 of the world. It's it's a good place for you to be because you are going to stand out among your demographics because there's not a lot there. Um, LinkedIn recently opened up their site for 14 years old and up. And it's funny because I I posted on Facebook, of course, (laughs) about that, (laughs) asking, you know, what what people thought of that. And I have a, a very good friend who has a daughter who is 14 and she is an excellent student. You know, she's already in college prep classes, all of those various things. She thought it was the greatest thing in the world because she recognizes how important it is for her to already be connecting with professionals who could help her out in her career. Um, wow. you know, so it's, it's a great place for, for, for the younger uh, generations to be. So that 14 year old probably was the first 14 year old profile that went on there. More than likely, you know, if not, she was definitely very, very early on, um, you know, and, and, but yeah, it's, it's a great place for people who say, maybe you just got out of college. You know, if you go and set up a fabulous LinkedIn profile, you know, you're getting ready to enter the, the job market. If, if an HR professional or a recruiter, the first thing they do is they Google somebody. And if you've got a great LinkedIn profile, Google loves LinkedIn. So then it's going to come up high in a Google search. So, you know, you just graduated from college. You're 21, 22 years old. Most of the other people applying probably for your job are a lot of those same demographics. That HR recruiter finds your LinkedIn profile and they don't find anybody else. But they, they do find, find their Facebook handful. pages. 
Yes. Ooh, yeah. And their Twitter <laughs> accounts. Oh, holy cow. Don't get uh-huh. me started on those. Um, and so if you've got that great LinkedIn presence just going into the job market, it really does help you stand head and shoulders above your competition. Okay, so LinkedIn is not just for people using looking for a job, but people right. looking for a job have to have a great LinkedIn profile is what you're saying. Yes, people looking for a job. And, you know, anymore, it, it's, it's except for very basic, industry, you know, entry-level positions, I think everybody needs a LinkedIn profile. And even if you're just starting, Starting out, and maybe you're going into, you know, you, you, you can't, you're not experienced enough to get something more than, say, a sales position at a department store. You know, nothing wrong with that. You still need to have a LinkedIn profile because more than likely, that's not what you want to do all of your life. So right. you want to start on LinkedIn now. I just saw something where somebody said, think about your LinkedIn profile and what you want to be and do five years from now. You know, do you really want to have that? that you've got right now, whether it's, you know, somebody just starting out or somebody like you and I, you know, how, what do you want people to find five years from now? That's great advice. Can we step through setting up a profile for the members of the audience who either don't have a LinkedIn presence or like most of us do have a LinkedIn presence, but we don't have it optimized properly? How hard is it to set up and, and do you really need to post an actual photograph of yourself? Oh, yes, you absolutely positively must post a great professional photo of yourself. Um, you know, and, and to me, there's three parts of LinkedIn that are absolutely critical. You know, all of the sections are important, but there's three that are most critical. And one of those is the photo. You know, I have seen so many people who have had a bad LinkedIn photo. And this is where people are getting their first impression of you as a professional. So do you really want them to see your child's picture? Or you at a bar, and trust me, I've seen those on LinkedIn, um, you know, it needs to be a professional-looking photo. Now, I'm not saying go spend, you know, hundreds of dollars having professional headshots, especially if you're just starting out. But you can get a good photo just from your digital camera, from your phone. Holy cow, cameras that are on phones anymore have great resolution. So you can take a picture, dress like you would professionally. You know, this is not the place to, you know, for ladies to be showing a little cleavage. Really, is that why you want to be hired? Um, or men to be in a, a dirty T-shirt, you know, with a baseball cap on. You know, and I'm giving these examples because I have seen them on LinkedIn. which on LinkedIn. just wow. On LinkedIn, you know, and it, it just surprises me. Uh, one of the funny ones that I see, oh, it's about once a week or so, you know, back in the 80s, glamour shots was one yes. of the, the big things. And women <laughs> went and had our pictures done at Glamour Shots. That was a great picture then. It is not a great picture now to be using on your LinkedIn profile. You know, this is, it, it really needs to be a current picture, which is a little tricky for ladies because we change our hair. You know, we, we do all those various things. The key with your LinkedIn photo is if you meet someone at a professional meeting, you know, whether it's a networking thing or maybe you're meeting them one-on-one, they need to look at your picture on LinkedIn and be able to walk right up to you. You know, so it's to be a headshot. And in that, I mean, you know, it's pretty much just your shoulders up. This shouldn't be something where it's you standing in a group of people or, you know, you standing next to, you know, maybe you're a car salesman. Shouldn't be you standing next to a car because that picture is too far away. You know, somebody's not going to be able to walk up to you and know who you are. So have that great picture. You know, look at the camera. Don't be gazing off in the distance. This is not the artsy-fartsy type of picture. You know, look at the camera and smile. The, The concept here is that when they're looking at your picture on LinkedIn, it's almost like you're talking to them. You know, and, and so look at them, smile, be warm, be inviting. Again, this is the very first thing people see of you. It absolutely positively must make a great first impression. And should look like you and mm-hmm. should not look like an advertisement for something else because this is your LinkedIn profile. It should like, right. look like your LinkedIn mm-hmm. advertisement mm-hmm. picture. Now, well, before we get on to, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. I've seen, I've seen people too who have used their company logo. No. No. <laughs> there, There is a place on LinkedIn to have company pages. That's where you want that company logo. But your personal LinkedIn profile is your personal LinkedIn profile. It needs to be a picture of you. Perfect. That makes that makes great sense. Now, 
if we're putting the picture in LinkedIn, can we do mm-hmm. like we do on our blog pages? Can we like optimize them for Google search, like putting keywords in the photo title or something? You really can't. You know, unfortunately okay. on LinkedIn, you're just putting picture in. You know, there's there's really nothing more that you can do in there. Um, so it's not going to help to have anything that, that describes the picture. Now, I am going to give a key that I just this morning saw on somebody else's uh, profile on LinkedIn, you know, because I thought this was very cool. He had outlined his photo in red. And what that did was it made it pop from all of the other pictures when somebody's looking at multiple LinkedIn pictures on a page. Nice. You know, I, I wouldn't... It is a way for it to stand out. Um, you know, it'll be funny to see how many people start having things like that on their picture. But mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it was a way to subtly make the picture stand out. I like that. I'm going to have yeah. to go and, go and look and see for that for things like that. Yeah. My husband, can you believe this, does not have a LinkedIn profile. We're setting him up one this week. I know. Mine doesn't either. <laughs> These boys. You know, what are we going to do with them? <laughs> They're too old school, I think. I know. I know. All right, going through stepping through setting up a LinkedIn mm-hmm. profile, um, you said there were three things that were most important, and the picture was first. So what are the right. other two? Then the next thing that I consider the, one of the most important things is your professional headline. And I think, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, you know, way back 10 years ago, when we first went on LinkedIn, it asked for your title. And so we all put our current job title there. It has now changed to say professional headline. And that is so key to have something there that is not your, your job title, especially if your job title is something like president at ABC company. whoop de doo You know, right. what does that say about somebody? The important thing about your professional headline is it is what people read about you first. You have 120 characters there, which really does give you quite a bit of space. Um, now, that does count characters and spacing so you know the easy way to do this is to write it in word and have it do a account for you but it's mm-hmm. 120 characters so rather than just say that i am a radio host or that i have you know wise women communications my title says the socialite professional speaker trainer and social media advisor national radio host pr and marketing pro and you got all of that in 120 characters I believe that's 119. You rock. (laughs) You know, and and it does take practice to be able to do that. What's really important with this is that headline shows up in two different places that are critical. The first thing is if you're in LinkedIn and you look at somebody's, you know, you kind of mouse over somebody's profile and and it pops up, you get their picture and you get their professional headline. So it's your kind of five, ten second little introduction to somebody. What's even more important is when you search for somebody on Google and their LinkedIn appears, you know, anytime you're looking on Google, you get two, a two line description. And it often seems very random. And, you know, for those who don't know website programming, it is very random, you know, to, to, but you want to make sure that you have there what you want. So when your LinkedIn profile comes up, it's your professional headline. So really, do you want it to say Deb Creer, founder of ABC Company, or do you want it to say on Google? Now, remember, this is on Google, the socialite professional speaker, trainer, social media advisor, blah, blah, blah. You know, you really want your professional headline to be that first link that you have with people. And if you don't fill in that section, it doesn't get left blank. You know, don't don't panic about that. What it does is it... De- defaults to whatever your current job title is. So that's why people sometimes miss setting up professional headline because they'll look and they'll say, well, my job title's there. It's it's only defaulting there because you haven't put something in. So you need to dust out that rusty old elevator speech kind of mm-hmm. thing and right. net, it, net it down to 120 characters. Yep. You know, and, and one of the things that I really like to do when I'm either writing my own or, you know, updating it or working with people is look at other people in the industry and see what they have written. You know, because sometimes that's where you can figure out some good keywords. Now, obviously, ever, 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 just copy what they have done, <laughs> but see what they have done. You know, I, I saw one one time where he had vice president of marketing. That was it. Not even a company name, you know, okay, no industry, no anything. He just had vice president of marketing. We changed that. Brand Management Specialist, Marketing 
strategist, search engine optimization, SEO expert, and social media consultant. That, that sounds really a little better. Is, yeah, yeah. And again, that was 118 characters. Wow. So, you know, really use that area as something that is introduction to people. You know, it was funny. I saw one the other day where they had, as their professional headline, see my summary. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Now, I'll admit, it did make me go look at his summary, but it was because I was interested in him anyway and in connecting with him. But, right. you know, again, think about Google. If you saw that on Google, what would you think? You know, so make sure that you truly have optimized your professional headline. That feels lazy to me. See my it summary. Does. It feels lazy. Mm-hmm. I think if I was a hiring manager, I would look at that and go, I don't think so. Right. He didn't finish his work there. What makes me think he's going to finish mm-hmm. his work for me? You know, and, and you mentioned hiring managers. That is a place where you can say looking for, you know, a, a career in or something like that. I mean, you don't want to make it sound desperate. You know, unemployed would not be something you would want to put in your <laughs> professional headline. But, you know, seeking new opportunities in the areas of you know, or the industries of, that's okay to put in there. I've also seen people put their phone numbers and their email addresses in there. It's not really a good idea because that's a very good way for all of that information to be spammed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because that is a field that is searchable in Google, that means it is searchable by other things that are nefarious and want to steal your data and, and start sending you emails. So have that information in other places, but don't put it in your professional headline. That makes perfect sense. All right, and the third place that's important, I'm guessing it's going to be the summary, right? It is the summary. You know, and and this is the place where you want to tell the story of your professional career. You know, it's not the place to say, I did such and such. I like to do. You know, the summary may be the only thing somebody reads about you. So you really want to have the information there that is critical. Now, you have 2,000 characters. Now, that's a long professional summary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think I've gone to 2,000 characters, and I have quite a bit in there. But it's it's a good place to put in all those keywords because this is something where if somebody's searching in LinkedIn using their search feature, it's picking up the keywords from your summary. So, you know, you really want to have those there. Get out your thesaurus, um, you know, and and scatter those keywords throughout. So, for example, I wouldn't say I'm a professional speaker, trainer, presenter in one sentence, because that just sounds funny. Scatter those words throughout the profile. So if somebody's searching for it, you've got it there. What's important is if you don't have it and they search for it, well, then, of course, they don't find your profile. You can also be forward thinking. You know, I mentioned in there, think about what you want to be in five years. That's okay in your summary to say my future career goals include blah, 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 blah. Um, You know, whether you're currently employed or not, it's okay to put that in there. Now, you know, if you're currently employed, your future career goals are not working for the current company. You really want to be careful about that right. um, because somebody at your company might see it. But I uh, was working with a, a young woman one time and she was un- or she was working for a company but really did want to change. And so she went into her LinkedIn profile and in her summary, she said that. She said, in my future, I would like to do such and such. Wasn't very long before her boss called her in. And he said, really, is this what you want to do? And she kind of sheepishly said, yes. And he said, you do know you can do that at this company. It had never occurred to her because she actually liked where she worked. Great benefits, you know, all those various things, good tenure, you know, things like that. And so she was thrilled that she had put that in there because she was able to transition into what she wanted to be when she grew up, but stay at the same company. So, you know, really have that in there. Now, I've also seen people on LinkedIn, um, it, it, Tell, use their summary and do it in third person, as in Sandy Carmen does, Deb Creer did. And that's okay, but to me, that's too salesy. Mm-hmm. I think it should be written first person. You know, I have done, I am, you know, experienced in all of those things because it should be like you're actually telling it to the person. And very few people speak in third person when, when they're talking to somebody. And if they do, we, we think they're putting on airs and we get away as quickly as we yeah. possibly can. Right, right. <laughs> you know, whether it's a professional business associate or, you know, somebody you're thinking of hiring. Yeah, if they're talking to you in third party, you're thinking, okay, let's, let's go, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, this is another great place to really look at how other people are wording things. Um, it's very difficult to write about ourselves, especially women. You know, we don't like to brag about 
themselves. So sometimes you might need to hire somebody to write it for you. Uh, you know, give them your resume, let them interview you and, and then have them write it for you. I actually did that. I did not write my own summary when I was first starting out on LinkedIn and the person who wrote it for me it came back and I went, holy cow, this is amazing. He had used words that I wouldn't have used to describe myself. Now they were true, but you know, we tend to not really brag about ourselves. So, you know, think about things like that. It's, it really is something that you want your, your little light to shine. You know, when, when you're on LinkedIn, you really do need to, to be thinking about that. And, and if you say I'm good at, as opposed to I'm an expert at, you know, makes a world of difference, whether right. it's somebody who's, you know, wanting to hire you as a consultant or work with you as, as a customer, a client, or, you know, hire you as an employee. Those words really do make a big difference. Um, the summary is a cool place. Speaking of, you know, people who are in the job market, if you have applied for a job and they have said, you know, we want candidates that have the following 10 criteria. Make sure that the, the applicable ones, now don't put the 10 in there, you know, all 10 if they don't apply to you, but make sure that those are in your LinkedIn profile in the words that that job description called for. Because again, they're going to be searching through LinkedIn and if they find those, it's a match and they're going, ooh, this is good. This is That's good. I like this person. Advice. That is great advice. Now that's a little squirrely if you know you're applying for multiple jobs and they've got lots of different criteria. But you know, just th- think through it and and always, always, always read your profile and read it out loud, because that will kind of give you a better idea of what it's like when they're reading it. it also, you know, you're, you're an expert in this. It will show them there's typos, grammatical errors, all those various things. And, and I'm guessing of, those don't need to be there. Oh, yes. <laughs> never, ever, ever have a grammatical error. Um, and, and it doesn't matter what you're using LinkedIn for. Just don't do that. You know, it, to me, if someone has a grammatical error in the, um, in their profiles, it shows me that they might not be that concerned or caring about their their work, right. you know, so, you know, make sure you go through and, and look at those. Um, I was working with somebody one time who was just fresh out of school. He really did have, you know, so he was, he was one of those youngsters I was talking about, but he had misspelled words in his profile. And, you know, if I had been somebody wanting to hire him, he would have gone off the list right then. I wouldn't have cared anything about it, which is unfortunately the, the case because we have so many people who are applying for jobs. HR managers and recruiters are looking for the very first way that they can eliminate someone. And if it's that they have typos, LinkedIn account, they're gone. So let me guess that this is a service that you can help your clients with. I can. Um, you know, I really don't write them for people. I mm-hmm. do know a lot of people who are very good writers and can write some things for them, but I can review people's profiles for them and, you know, look it over, see what they might be missing, all of those various things. That is a service that I provide. And it's also what I teach people, whether it's one-on-one all the way up to, to seminars and, and programs like that. And you do, speaking of which, you do have a seminar coming up, don't you? I know, I know. See, this is where it's fun, and this is why I have Sandy do this, because it's kind of hard to toot my own horn. But um, I do have a seminar coming up here in Marietta on how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. It's called LinkedIn Disguise. You know, are you hiding your true professional self from the world because you really don't have a great LinkedIn profile? Um, so that's coming up on September 20th. 7th, and you can find out more about it by going to locked on to linkedin.com. Okay, say that one more time because your microphone broke up a little bit. Locked on to linkedin.com. Perfect. Thank you. It's time for us to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue this special edition of Mile High Radio with your charming host, the socialite Deb Creer, in the spotlight. And we're going to learn all about LinkedIn as we've been doing for the last, oh, 25 minutes or so. Coming up, we're going to talk about how the situation that the world has been in lately with so many people looking for so many jobs. We're going to talk about the depression and the recession and how that has made LinkedIn even more powerful for you. With Deb Creer and Sandy weaver Carmen on Mile High Radio. Thank you for being a friend. 
Nothing says I love you more than milehighradio.com. Hey, Mile High listeners, this is Tara Lee, the Denver Nutritionista. I want to tell you about Ignite Max. It's an all-natural product that helps manage appetite, increases metabolism so you can burn more calories, and it's clinically proven to help reduce body fat. It's literally the only fat burner I've ever taken that gives me sustained energy throughout the day with no crash. Literally, no crash. It helps keep my energy up for my long days and helps get my butt to the gym for my workouts. Ignite Max burns up to 278 calories per dose. That's almost 8,000 calories in one month. Y'all know me. I'm all about natural, but Ignite Max only contains green tea extract. It contains natural ingredients found in seaweed, raspberry ketones, black pepper extract, and ginseng extract. It's all natural. I won't put anything in my body that isn't, so you know that this is a really great product. Just take two tablets per day, one with breakfast and one with lunch. And for an even greater effect, take one right before your workout. Whew, you're going to have one heck of a workout. Take it for 90 days. Give it a shot. Really let your body get used to it and adjust it and see the, and feel the difference in your energy. 90 days to make a difference in your life. To order Ignite Max, call 888-700-DIET or go to gogetfin.com. That's 888-700-DIET or gogetfin.com to order Ignite Max today. Hi, Chris here from the Havana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yambana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A. S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. YumbanaShop.com. We are back on this special edition of Mile High Radio. I'm Sandy Weaver-Carmen, sitting in Deb's normal seat. And today, Deb Creer, the socialite, is the guest on her own radio show. We're discussing LinkedIn and how to use it like a rock star so that it works for you. Now, Deb, during the depression and recession that our country's been suffering for the last five years, a lot of people have been, uh, been unemployed or underemployed. If somebody has a big empty space between jobs is there a way for them to highlight things they might have been doing, like, for instance, studying to update their skills or volunteering or things like that? You absolutely want to include volunteering, um, you know, especially if you were unemployed for quite a long time. You know, a month or two is okay, but when it starts stretching more into those bigger gaps, you want to show that you're volunteering, especially if you were volunteering in your field because it's a great way to show people that you weren't, you know, depressed and sitting on the couch eating bonbons, that you were keeping up with your skills, that you were doing, you know, all of those various things. There's a couple ways that you can do this. You can include the volunteer work actually in your work experience. Just make sure that it's clear that it was a volunteer position. Um, one of the cool things about doing that is then you can get recommendations listed under that profile. You know, or under that, that work experience. So, you know, you can then really focus on highlighting what you did as that volunteer. There's also a volunteer section in LinkedIn in your profile. So you can put that information there. You know, while you're unemployed, it's very important to continually be posting. You know, you want to make sure that people see again that you're not just sitting home doing nothing. Post, um, articles that are linking to what you're doing in the in or what's going on in the industry. You know, show people that you're keeping current. 
if you're transitioning into something new, then you really want to be showing people that you are moving in, that, that you know what's going on in that field. But you want to make sure that people see that you do, you're active, you're not just sitting at home. If you're attending networking meetings, it's perfectly acceptable to talk about those. You know, you can say just attended this great presentation at the Cobb Chamber, you know, wherever, and they talked about such and such and so on. You know, when you're unemployed, LinkedIn, you, is, is an absolute necessity that you need to be using. So really ramp it up. Um, you know, one of the, key things with what you're doing with volunteer work is about how it does apply to that job that you're looking for. Um, you know, and, and use those, use words then that describe that, you know, maybe you are, uh, you know, managing a, a fundraising event for a nonprofit and you want to, you know, your, your job is marketing that, you know, your career path, be sure to talk in there about specifics that pertain to marketing in that that volunteer position. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to be able to go in and do that again, as long as they're true, don't ever fabricate, don't ever make anything up. Easiest way to, you know, have a problem. Um, in fact, I heard somebody talking about that yesterday. I overheard them talking about somebody and this was at, you know, it was at a dog show of all places. They were <laughs> talking about looking at someone's LinkedIn profile and they knew had been lying on it. Oh, you know, no. so don't get caught doing that. You know, always make sure what you have on your LinkedIn profile is good. But you know, while you're unemployed, really make sure that you are using LinkedIn. You know, and if you're completely and totally unemployed, you should be on LinkedIn a lot. You know, don't don't avoid it. Now don't go overboard. You know, don't but really be spending a lot of time there networking, making new connections, reading articles, all those various things. Sounds perfect. You've been walking us through making a really good, well-optimized profile. What is with their wacky industry list? Why is it so limited? You know, it's actually getting more and more, which is is nice. You know, there when they first started, I think they had 10 or maybe 18, I believe it was, industries. And they didn't even have an other category. Unfortunately, the industries don't always match what you want to do. So you have to find what's closest. That's where maybe your professional headline or your summary is a great way to spell that out because the industry that you put down and you're forced to put one in, you know, this isn't something you can leave blank. LinkedIn will make you do that. Explain as early as possible what that is, you know, and, and so, you know, maybe your industry is a little vague on, on social media or it's not listed in their, their LinkedIn at all. Explain what it is that you want to do or what your industry is. Gotcha. So you can put that in the summary, even though mm-hmm. you have to pick some off the wall right. industry that doesn't really, that's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Now you can always send a note to LinkedIn and, you know, contact their customer service and say, Hey, you know, would you consider adding this industry? That is how industries have been added. You know, if once they kind of hit that tipping point with a critical mass of enough people who have asked them to add something, they will do that so it you know don't just ignore it might you know you you might be one of a thousand that contacted them and and your number thousand that says hey add this and then they add it cool okay so they are responsive that's really Mm -hmm. nice to know now what if somebody is setting up a profile but they're really new to social media and they Mm -hmm. really they don't have a facebook page they don't have a twitter account they even didn't do myspace back in the day because Mm -hmm. they're they want to be private they don't want their information online but they see the value of being on LinkedIn for business standpoint, mm-hmm. what if they don't want the whole world to see their information? Can they set up a limited profile and is there any benefit to that? There's several things that you can set up a limited profile. Um, so you can, can turn on and off things that people see. So you can do some things like that. Also, unless it is a required field, there's nothing that says you have to fill something out. You know, there's a space on LinkedIn that you can put your address. Well, I home office. I'm going to put my address in there. They also need space for your birthday. Might not be something that you want to put out there. So, you know, always be aware that your LinkedIn profile is public. So whatever you have allowed people to see, anyone can see. Now, you can do some things where they have to uh, be directly connected to you before they can see some of the information. So you can, can go into your privacy settings and just kind of check all of those things out. But again, only put things out there that you, you want the whole world to see. And I tell people that on any social media. You know, if you don't want your, your minister, your rabbi, your grandmother, your mother, your coworker, your boss, your spouse to see what you're putting out there, 
don't put it out there. Period. <laughs> it seems so common sense, and yet so many people just don't get that. Oh. Right. Can we talk about recommendations? What are they, and are they important? Recommendations, and it gets a little confusing now because LinkedIn has added endorsements. Right, and, so uh, talk about oh. the difference between those two. Endorsements are the like buttons of LinkedIn. Gotcha. <laughs> it's very easy to give someone an endorsement. If I go to, say, your profile, in fact, let me do that right now. Let me just see what happens if I pull up your profile, which is always very fun when I'm doing this, you know, in, uh, on radio. But it gives you, LinkedIn will give you several options of things that you can do that you can endorse somebody for. So, mm -hmm. for example, I, yours came up, oh, I've already endorsed you, so it's not coming up with, anything for you but it it picks up things that people have already endorsed you for and gives those as words then that people can can pick up now the strange thing about that is it's very easy you just click a button one button and you just endorse somebody for five different things you may have never had any direct knowledge about those so it you know it's it really then can cause problems because people can be endorsing you for things they've never seen now, there is a quantity thing. You know, you want to see, you know, that people have endorsements. And LinkedIn will only show up to 99. So, for example, Sandy has been endorsed the most for radio and then broadcast, then voiceover, then public speaking. So you can add those things in there. But the really strange thing with endorsements is people can add their own categories for you. Now, you really? can go back in and take those out. You know, I've had people add things like fundraising for me. Well, I I can do fundraising. I don't like to do fundraising. I don't want to do fundraising. So I don't want that showing up in my in my profile. So I can take those back out. But, you know, people are looking at the quantity. You know, they are going to go in and see, okay, this person has 20 endorsements for uh, voiceover, and this person has 100, or actually it's 99 plus is how LinkedIn does it. So, you know, that right there is going to maybe sway a vote. You know, if somebody's picking between two people, they look at those. But the cool thing about recommendations is those are actual words from someone. It's not just clicking that button. So you ask people for recommendations. Now, don't just say, hey, would you recommend me? Because then you get back this recommendation. Sandy Carmen was a great person to work with, and I highly recommend her. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. If I said instead, you know, when I sent you the request to, to recommend me, it, if I said, hey, Sandy, back in 2012, you and I worked together on X project. Could you recommend me for that? Then the recommendation you're going to send is much better because it specifically addresses that. That's very important for people who are in the job market, especially when they've looked at those things where it said, you know, it's, it's 10 criteria we want that person to have. You know, go back to a former employer, a former coworker, former client, customer, whoever, and, and say, you know, I'm currently in the job market and I have applied for a job that is looking for someone with experience in XYZ. Can you address that in a recommendation? Now, of course, they can always ignore you or tell you no, right. but then if they do respond, you're going to get something that is tailored specifically to what you're looking for. The, the really nice thing about a recommendation is it has to come from that other person and you have to be directly connected to them. So, you know, that's a great way to reach out to people, you know, somebody that maybe you haven't been in contact with for a while so you can reach out to them and, you know, go back to them, but you cannot edit that. So, you know, now you can go back to them. Maybe there's a typo. Maybe they've got something wrong. You can go back and ask them to change it, but it's unbiased. You know, it's not like I wrote it and then posted it and said, Sandy Weaver Carmen said this about me. No, right. it has to have come from that other person. And again, there is a quantity thing that people are looking at, you know, and, and I hate to, to talk about them. But, you know, people will look at something and go, this person has five recommendations. This person has 25. Ooh, the 25 one must be better. You know, it's it's not really one of those things you like. The cool thing is in recommendations, you know, once you start getting a bunch of them, they show up under the specific job that, that they are listed for. And you can have ones show up that take priority. 
So, you know, it's, it's a great way to be able to go in and reorganize things to show things that, that you really want to, to pop in front of people when they first review your profile. That's cool. Now, is mm-hmm. it beneficial for someone to provide recommendations? What do they get out of it? You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's just a good networking thing. And there is kind of that reciprocity factor. If I provide you with a good recommendation, then the hope is that you'll provide me with a good recommendation. Gotcha. Um, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't always work that way, but it's, it's one of those things where it, you're, you're getting your name in front of their contacts. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's not always a bad thing because somebody might be looking at something like that. It also, you know, it's, it's good karma is, is, probably the best way to put it. So, you know, it, it really is a good reason to give recommendations to people when you can. You know, if, if if you're not comfortable doing it, let them know. You know, I've received requests for recommendations from people that I have never worked with. Really? And, you know, it's, it, they're, I, I always politely respond. I don't ignore them. And I say, you know, a good recommendation comes from somebody who has direct knowledge. And unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. You know, I'm, I'm so, you know, uh, it, it just wouldn't be appropriate for me to provide a generic recommendation for you. They've always understood. You and know, the way and, you phrase that, you mm-hmm. could get a client out of that too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, anytime somebody asks you for something you're not comfortable with, let them know why. You know, maybe it's, I've seen people who've said, I don't remember you. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's Oops. a good way then to refresh their memory. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and say, hey, we did work together because, holy cow, they might know of an opportunity for you or something like that. Um, you know, the, the worst is they ignore you. Okay, you know, not a big deal. Yeah. Next, LinkedIn fills in request boxes like the connection mm-hmm. requests and recommendation requests. Mm-hmm. Should you use their suggested text or should you write your own? Write your own. Now, I say that with the caveat that sometimes you can't. I discovered on my iPad when I'm using the LinkedIn application, if I go to connect with somebody and I click and I click the connect button, it just sends off the generic I would like to connect with you thing. Oh. So then I always follow it up. I, I go to the desktop application and I say, Oh, just sent you a request to connect. Here is why I would like to connect. You know, we all like to think that we're memorable. And unfortunately we're not. I know. Oh, so sad. <laughs> but you know, we meet so many people just in the course of a week, let alone the course of our career. So you need to remind somebody why they met you, where they met you. You know, when I go to, say, a networking event, I go back. One of the first things I do is I try to find the people that I met at uh, on LinkedIn. I send them a request to connect, and I say, just saw you at today's West Cobb Business Association luncheon. We talked about XYZ. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. You know, now most people, you know, it, 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 I, I shouldn't say most people. Many people actually need that reason before they're going to connect, which is mm-hmm. not a bad thing. You know, we're, right. we're very protective of ourselves and our reputation. So remind people why, you know, why you want to connect with them. Now, is social networking like regular networking? Is it kind of a numbers game? How can people make that work for them? It is a numbers game. You know, and, and, but saying that it, it's, it needs to be the right numbers. You know, I see people who tell me, oh, I have 20,000 people who follow me on Twitter. So, you know, if those 20,000 people are not a good business connection for you, then why bother? You know, that's not, not a big thing. You know, I'm connected with over 2,000 people on LinkedIn. That's pushing it to me to, to see, you know, that because, you know, many of those people I've never met. I'm not always quite sure why I'm connected with them. <laughs> but it does look good when you go to somebody's profile and it says 500 plus connections. Mm-hmm. When I'm, when someone has sent me a request to connect, I never just automatically respond. I always go and look at their profile and see, especially if they didn't give me a reason. I, I want to see why they wanted to connect, you know, all of those various things. And if they only have 10 connections, I look through their profile more. Now, maybe they're just setting it up. Okay, then they're only going to have 10 friends. But if they have 10 friends and they've been on LinkedIn for 10 years, obviously they're not very active on LinkedIn. Now, I'll probably go ahead and connect with them, but I I always look to see those numbers. I look to see numbers of recommendations. You know, I know that hiring managers look at those things. You know, HR people look at all of this stuff. 
because, you know, it used to be, you know, you talked about the recession. You know, it used to be 20 people would apply for a job. Now 200 people are applying right. for a job or more. Right. And so that HR person is really looking for ways to weed people out as opposed to include them in the process. Gotcha. So if somebody's looking for a job, having a really well done LinkedIn profile, a very well optimized LinkedIn profile, as we've been discussing this hour, right. is the way to go. Well, and cool things that LinkedIn has has just added is an ability to add uh, things that you work work product or you know things. I was in fact I was talking to a high school student who was getting ready to complete his first LinkedIn profile, and he is um, looking for a job in the entertainment industry. And I told him, you know, you can include links to videos that you have produced and or starred in. And he was just amazed. You know, he thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, maybe you're a marketing person. You can include copies of, say, brochures that you have written. Now, always make sure that you have permission to do that, you know, and, and that you're not uh, putting information out there that was industry uh, proprietary, things like that. But there are ways now that you can add all of that information to really beef up your profile, to, to really show people your true professional self. And so LinkedIn's letting you just plug that in there. Now, for because LinkedIn understands that a lot of job seekers are there looking for work, do they have other places on the site that are good for people who are looking for a job? One of the coolest things in LinkedIn for job seekers is their actual job section. Um, you know, more and more, and again, it's because there are just so many things out there, many companies are only posting, especially higher and senior level positions, they're only posting them on LinkedIn. So you want to go in, you want to search for jobs in those areas. The really neat thing is you can save those searches. So maybe you're looking for a position in a specific area, you know, and a specific location, things like that. You can save that search. Then when a new position is posted that matches your criteria, you get a notice. Nice. So then you can go read that position and decide whether you want to apply for it or not. And in many cases, it depends on how the position opening was set up. You can apply directly through LinkedIn. You don't have to go to some job site. You don't have to send them a printed resume. You don't have to go through all of that. You can contact them directly through LinkedIn and provide your resume. That's why it has to be very robust and very optimized. Perfect. Okay. So now let's talk about LinkedIn groups. Are there good strategies to use for groups to either look for a job or grow your network? There definitely are. You know, you can be a member of 50 groups and 50 subgroups. That's a lot of groups because you want to pick groups that are active and that you can participate in. So maybe you just want to be part of five groups, ten groups. Maybe it's just one. You know, if it's a great group, maybe it's just one group. You'll look for alumni groups. There are something about college alumnus where people who went to the same university really want to help people from another that, that also graduated from there. So look for alumni groups. Look for groups that are specific to your industry, to your area. Now, some groups are closed, you know, especially groups for, say, a chamber or, you know, a group where you have to pay to join, you know, the, the actual group, the, the, the association. They might have a closed group on LinkedIn where you have to have been a paid member in order to participate. But, you know, that should be in their rules. It, it will show you, you know, that, that you have to be approved for the group. Look for those groups, you know, look for groups that are active. You know, if, if no one has posted on that group in, you know, a month, two months, three months, six months, don't waste your time with it. You know, and then post things that are relevant to the group. This is not the, hey, I'm going to brag about myself type of place to post. <laughs> you know, you really want to post in there relevant things. Now, one of the other cool things about groups, and this is LinkedIn's kind of hidden little secret. So maybe you are currently employed, but you're looking for a job. And but you know that your boss or somebody at your company kind of looks at your LinkedIn profile, so they're going to notice some of the things that happen. If you start adding a bunch of connections, they will see that. However, if you are connected with somebody on a group, you don't have to be directly connected with them to communicate with them. Really? So that's kind of a, a little secret way to be in touch with people without having to be first degree connections. Nice. So that's, that to me sounds like a huge power of being a belonging right. to several groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have spent most of this hour learning from you about LinkedIn, but 
you're, you've got a seminar coming up. Tell us about your seminar because I think we've touched on a lot of things, but it sounds to me like we did the 30,000 foot view (laughs) and you can get lots more down and dirty than that. The seminar is a two-hour seminar. Um, again, it's on September 27th in Marietta, Georgia. Sorry for those folks who aren't in Atlanta. Um, but we'll hopefully be adding webinars and, and things like that that are based on, on LinkedIn. But it's a seminar where we're really going to dig deep and show people, you know, what are the key words that you should be posting on your profiles? You know, what? how do you behave on a group? You know, all of those various things. And for that, they can go to Locked On to linkedin.com and find all that information. Um, you can also go to just my regular website, which is debcreer.com and find lots of free resources there. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day who just couldn't afford to go to the seminar and, you know, somebody else who couldn't take time off to do it. There's a lot of free resources just on my regular website. So it's always great to, to go there and then connect with me on the various social media sites. And you'll find all those links at debcreer.com also. Perfect. Now, I've asked you a lot of questions about LinkedIn today, but I'm not the LinkedIn expert you are. Is there something that I should have asked you about LinkedIn that I didn't know enough to ask about? You know, one of the things that I think people tend to do on LinkedIn is they set it up and they forget it. You know, maybe it's a great profile. You know, you went in and you put everything there that, you know, if anybody's looking, they're really going to find it. And then you never go back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want to be posting updates because that is one of the things that people look at. How active are you? You know, so post updates. Now we don't post updates there nearly as often as we post on Facebook and Twitter. You know, now some people do. You know, if, if LinkedIn is their social media network of choice, they are going to post more frequently there. But post, <coughs> excuse me, information on LinkedIn. You know, whether it's status. You know, it's, it's, so it's a status update. So you're doing an update that talks about an industry event that you attended. You can toot your own horn. You know, I am going to post there about the seminar. You know, it's great for people like you to post. You have a new radio program coming up. That would be a fabulous place to post about it on LinkedIn. You know, make sure that you're there and, and using it every day. You know, I tell people, add a new contact every single day. doesn't take wow. very long. You know, that's how you really start building that network. Now, maybe you don't have time to go in every day. Okay, so you go in on Wednesday and add five contacts. That got you those contacts. That sounds good. Now, this hour has flown by so quickly, Deb. What fun to be able to put you in the spotlight this week. Thank you very much for allowing me to be your guest host. And thanks for sharing your LinkedIn wisdom with us. What's in store for us all next week? Oh, my cough caught up to me. I'm sorry. <coughs> First, tell people how they can contact you and reach out to you. Oh, okay. Um, thank you. I'm Sandy Weaver Carmen, and that's C-A-R-M-A-N, Carman. And you can reach me by email at sandy at voiceworkondemand.com. My website is voiceworkondemand.com. And the brand new radio show that you spoke about, we just started it on Friday the 13th, because that just seemed like an appropriate day to June Klein and I, is happinessrecipe.net. We're looking for the happiness recipe. So if you think you've got it, go share it with us at happinessrecipe.net. Cool, cool. Well, again, Sandy, thank you so much. This has been interesting. You know, It is kind of fun to be on the flip side of being interviewed. <laughs> the person I will be interviewing next week <clears throat> Excuse me, is James Spann, who is a meteorologist, you know, weatherman in Birmingham, Alabama. And he uses social media extensively to get the word out to people as to what's going on with the weather. Um, so he's, he's really a lot of fun. He's going to be very interesting. He's got a lot of tips and techniques to share on how to really engage with your audience. So, you know, again, that will be my guest next week. Thank you again, again, again to Sandy Armin for hosting for me today. Thanks to Hubris and uh, Patrick Allman for hosting while I was gone. Be sure to listen to other archives, you know, listen to those programs because they were fabulous. And thank you so much to everyone in Colorado, which is my home state. And of course, Mile High Radio is based there. Please stay safe in these floods. You know, that's been the thing that I've been glued to social media for is, is watching and, and seeing all of the various 
stories about, you know, and, and pictures, images, videos about what's been going on there, please remember that we love you. We're, we're hoping for the best for you, but always stay safe. Your possessions, your home, all those things can be replaced, but you can't. So please stay safe. Let us know if there's ways that we can help you post on social media. You know, let us know how you're doing. If there are ways that we can help, looks like the sun is finally going to shine in Colorado and dry things out a bit. Um, but again, you know, take care, everyone. And to everyone in Atlanta and all other parts of the world, thank you so much. Thanks again, Sandy. And we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Everybody. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. I hope it all. More stimulating talk radio. MileHighRadio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.